All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are recapping the Falcons' win over the Washington Redskins in Week 9 with Lieutenant Dan of Unintentional Grounding. You can find his show on YouTube. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years at Falcons.com, on Twitter at Falcons, and, of course, I'm the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. I am joined by Lieutenant Dan. You guys know him uh, from his unintentional grounded on Twitter, on various uh, social media platforms, but, of course, on YouTube uh, with the many videos and breakdowns that he does on that platform. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you so much, Freeman. I uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show and uh, good talking to you for the first time. Yes, yes. Um, let's jump right into it. And let's talk about this Falcons win against the Redskins. It was a, probably the most impressive win of the season. Would you agree with that? I think I would agree with that. This has been the best that we've seen the Falcons since 2016. I think probably you will um, jump on with those statements as well because this offense and and the way the team is clicking now late in the season um, is beginning to to really show and and we're 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 looking pretty hot right now we've got a we've got a nice schedule in front of us yeah so I, I want to talk a little bit about the offense uh, putting up 38 points against this Redskins defense that was one of the better defenses in league I think they were what top two top five or not top mm, two. something along that yeah, yeah top five in both scoring and uh, yards allowed this season. Going into this weekend, uh, I'm sure that changed on Sunday. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the things that was a little surprising for, for me and I'm sure for other people was how successfully the Falcons were able to run the ball against a Redskins run defense that was one of the better ones in the league. I'm curious sort of looking from your perspective uh, and looking at the Falcons who have not necessarily had a lot of success this season on the ground. I think they went into this game being like 30th in rushing in the NFL this year. Uh, what were some of the reasons why you think the Falcons running game hasn't really got on off, uh, off the ground so far this season? And what were some of the things that you saw on Sunday that you think were a reason for why they were able to find so much success? Well, I think one of the things that you have to look at with this offense going from week one till this particular point in the season has been uh, what on the wall is sticking and how can we produce as a team knowing our players' strengths from Edo Smith to Tevin Coleman to Devontae Freeman now on IR? And there, I think there was a little bit of a drift inside the organization trying to force-feed Freeman, who was obviously injured. Um, and when you, when you try to do that, when you try to put a, a, a square peg into a round hole, it just doesn't work. You know, it, it holds other people back and makes people kind of a little skittish. I think one of the reasons why we have had a problem with this, uh, with this running attack has just been trying to familiarize ourselves with the scheme and what we do best, which is inside-outside zone concepts. We're not a power-running team. We don't pretend to be. Um, but it, it's just been using the players the right way. Tevin Coleman needs to be on the outside with those outside run uh, zone concepts and catching the ball. And Ito Smith has been a great substitute coming in for Devontae Freeman. Um, I think I said it on my show today. Ito Smith reminds me a lot of Devontae Freeman 
and maybe a little bit of Michael Turner ever since I did that uh, Tony Gonzalez breakdown and remembered a little bit of what Turner brought to this team. So um, it's it's a very tough group. And what made us so successful yesterday was the Redskins completely did not account for our running backs being able to catch out of the backfield. And that spread them too thin, like too little butter on too much bread. And that allowed the interior uh, of this line, of this offensive line, who's missing their starting left guard and starting right guard, uh, to get an advantage on this Redskins defensive line, which is very good. You and I both agree on that. Um, and bas- basically feed Edo Smith and Devontae Freeman, or excuse me, Tevin Coleman, uh, the ball and, and gain a lot of valuable yards. Now, one of the things I've been talking about in this podcast, I think with the running game not necessarily getting off the ground this season, I think that has been more due to the blocking and not necessarily having guys winning up front. Um, and I think, you know, running the football is often, you know, scheming and, and all those sorts of things, the big element of throwing the football. But I think running the football is, is you know, can often be boiled down to just getting a hat on the hat and moving that guy that's lined up in front of you. And I don't think the Falcons have really done a great job doing that this year. I thought they did a much better job against the Redskins. And, and maybe that's owed to the change at right guard with, um, you know, Ben Garland stepping in for Brandon Fusco. But one of the players I did think stand, stood out to me on Sunday was Jake Matthews and his run blocking. Obviously, he had that notable big block on uh, Josh Norman that sprung Julio uh, for his touchdown that certainly will be on the highlight reels uh, in circulation for quite a bit of time, I'm sure, uh, among Falcon <laughs> fans. But uh, one of the things I noticed watching, you know, at least looking at the box score and then rewatching the game today was how much successful the team had running to that left side, particularly Tevin Coleman, who did have six runs uh, to the left side of the field and, and was had a success rate of 100% on all six of those runs. And, you know, I think that was largely... Uh, attributed to Jake Matthews and his solid blocking. And I'm I'm curious, what are your thoughts on sort of Jake Matthews as well as the uh, offensive line as a whole this season? The the whole story behind Jake Matthews and this this fan base um, being in a love-hate relationship with Jake Matthews as a whole um, has been that that it's a, it's a very strange story because we uh, I know yourself and myself have kind of at times look at Jake and said, okay, can you please step up just a little bit more? We need you to be that Pro Bowl guy that you were advertised to be. Um, And his maturity um, and kind of, I guess, maturation, I guess, has been one of those surprises that we, I think we took for granted for a little while, and now we're seeing it actually come to fruition, where he's becoming one of those top left tackles in the league, if not already one of the top left tackles in the league and his ability to get up the field and, and put a hat on a hat, like you were saying is impeccable. I know yesterday he did let up a sack because of an over an overload on his side. And he, you know, he just, he's not an octopus. He's not able to take on every single person. Um, but the blocking that he was able to achieve, uh, through this game and through the last couple of games, actually with the Falcons doing a lot of play action, um, some RPO, I know you probably saw that in this game, um, has allowed Jake Matthews through some smoke and mirrors to clean up some of the some of the problem issues with him, uh, some of the problem areas, and he's a more complete left tackle for this team. This unit um, 
with without a starting left guard, without a starting right guard as as far as uh, Andy Levitre, with these replacements at, at left guard and at right guard, it's been incredibly, outstandingly uh, surprising to see these two guys in Wes Swicer, who has kind of had the devil on his back from the fan base and also his performance, and then seeing uh, Ben Garland having to step in as a substitute and still performing at a high level now through a game and a half for Brandon Fusco has been, again, pleasantly surprising. And again, the Falcons are using a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of play action, a lot of RPO, um, a lot of misdirection to kind of cover up those issues, which is, you know, that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is just like you were saying, a hat on a hat and hoping for the best. But I think Sarkeesian out of the doghouse now has really, shown us what he's all about and has really covered up some of the issues that we've had, like our starting running back out and now our starting left guard and right guard out for the season and putting in some substitutes and really working it now. Okay. Now we got more to talk about with this Falcons game flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but I do want to let you guys know that you can find a Locked On podcast covering all 30 NBA teams on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you get your Locked On podcasts, including Locked On Hawks with host Brad Roland. Find that wherever you get your Locked On podcast, your NBA team every day. Now, don't you guys love a night out? And maybe you want to go out there and see your favorite band or head to the theater or be there in person for the Falcons next home game, cheering them on in the crowd. Well, now you can with Vivid Seats, and you can attend any concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more so you guys can save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Go ahead, download that app, enter the promo code Locked On so you can get $20 off of orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. So Dan, I, I, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about the defense and I know you were a big advocate of Isaiah Oliver. I remember seeing multiple videos of yours over the summer talking about up Isaiah Oliver. Um, and sort of one of the things I, I went on my podcast here to sort of put the kibosh on, on the Oliver hype train in part as a reaction to that. But we did get to see Isaiah Oliver, have his starting debut and it was pretty impressive and I'm curious as someone who has been a big advocate of Isaiah Oliver and his potential and upside uh for this team and in this league I'm curious what were your thoughts on watching his uh debut I know that this might actually um give you a little smirk on your face um because it definitely gave me a smirk on my face when I say that I see the same potential uh on the field not off the field uh that Jalen Collins had Isaiah Oliver has that same and it's funny because Isaiah Oliver I don't even know why he fell out of the first round to be honest of the 2018 draft but Isaiah Oliver has that length 
and that speed and athleticism. And he's not like Robert Alford, where you live by the sword and died by the sword of his athleticism and lack of technique. Um, and he's not Desmond Trufant, who is all about technique, even though he has the athleticism and he limits himself in some of those scenarios. Isaiah Oliver has been in an incredible find. And even though he did allow a touchdown from uh, Josh Doxson, I believe, mm-hmm. um, it was still some of the best coverage that I've ever seen. That had to be a perfect throw and an athletic catch to be able to get that ball in the end zone. And it was, again, I can't, I can't stress more to say that Isaiah Oliver put the best coverage that you could on that. Um, and we saw a couple of his pass breakups in this game as well, not only over the middle, uh, but also side on the sideline as well. And in the end zone again, when he broke up a pass that could have been a touchdown, Isaiah Oliver is going to be something incredibly special for this team. And I, again, cannot stress enough, the same track that Jalen Collins was on, we started to see him kind of get really good. We saw him potentially become something special for Atlanta, a Dan Quinn-type corner. Uh, Isaiah Oliver is on that track. If he keeps his nose clean, Isaiah Oliver will be the starting left side corner for this team going forward because I know a lot of people are forecasting Robert Alford to probably either get moved um, off of this team or or something along those lines. I'm curious when Alford comes back, uh, presumably next week or, or whatever that is, depending on the severity of his injury, Mm. Um, I'm curious, are you going to be a big advocate of Oliver being that third corner and bumping one of those two guys, whether it's Alford, whether it's Trufant, to the slot and overtaking a guy like Brian Poole, who's steadily been in that role for the majority of the season? I think I will be an advocate for that. It's Oliver's job to lose at this point. Alfred lost the job to injury, and we hate to say that, but if Oliver's coming in here and showing the same level that Alfred is giving us, um, and potentially that growth, you can see it in game, real time, and on the film when you rewind it and slow it down and watch it again. If he's giving us that same level of production and and more, then I see him starting against the Browns. I don't see that Robert Alford would start against the Browns, especially with an ankle injury. And then by the Cowboys game, you make a decision on Robert Alford and, and Isaiah Oliver who gets that start. Um, if Oliver comes out and shuts down whoever the Browns have at wide receiver, then you might start him against Dak Prescott and those Cowboys coming into Atlanta. Now let's flip to the other side of the defense up front and looking at this defensive line. And I know you do a lot of pass rushing breakdowns on your Mm -hmm. YouTube channel. Um, So I'm just curious to sort of get your thoughts on sort of what has been, at least from my recollection, a semi-emergence of this pass rush these last couple of games and, and seeing a lot better defensive line play. I personally attribute a lot of that to getting Grady Jarrett back into the lineup after a couple of games he missed um, and sort of being the catalyst to get that interior push in, in addition to that edge rush that we see from Vic Beasley and Jack McKinley, as well as Jack Crawford also stepping up his game over the last month as well. But I'm curious sort of what are your thoughts on this D-line improvement as well as how they looked against Washington? Well, the improvement has been slow and steady (laughs) and um, it's been a work in progress for many weeks now due to not only injuries, uh, but the types of drafts that we've had to achieve over the last couple of years and players falling off and so on and so forth. It's an interesting scenario because 
do you do you, Aaron Freeman, believe that Vic Beasley is a full time defensive end? No, that if, if, if anything <laughs> is my brand, then that is saying that Vic Beasley should not be a full time defensive end is is fully my brand. Yeah, and and so I actually do also believe that same bit, but I don't know if you believe the same thing that I do about Vic Vic Beasley most likely being drafted back in 2015, I believe, um, to be a strong side linebacker in base and be a nickel defensive end. Because if I remember correctly, um, the real Pat man on Twitter, uh, a Falcons fan and, and number cruncher, just recently posted something along the lines of, if you look at the snap counts for Vic Beasley, and then compare those snap counts to players right now. Vic Beasley has 90 more snaps than any other player on this roster right now on the D-line. And you can tell that those 90 snaps are on his tread. Um, He's tired. He's exhausted. And there's just no depth behind him at Sam Linebacker or at nickel defensive end to give him rest to allow him to do what his God-given athleticism allows him to do, which is get to quarterbacks. He's tired. He doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. And the best way to utilize him is on stunts um, or allowing allowing him to do a speed rush uh, around the edge and bend that. But he's just exhausted because he's at 300 and, 320 or 330 snaps now. And the next closest person is Tack McKinley with two, uh, 260. So that's a problem. That's a little bit of an issue. So you can, you can tell Vic is tired. Uh, talking about the rest, though, not to just solely put this on Vic, but talking about the rest of the guys, Tack McKinley is who we thought he was. You can see that steady progression of a, uh, you know, a, a weak side uh, defensive end that Tack McKinley is. Jack Crawford. Incredible find for the Falcons. He's been playing really well. They'll probably retain him for the next year or two. Uh, Derek Shelby showed up in this game, and I've been an advocate for him for a little while now, saying that Shelby may not be retained next year, but it would be probably a a good idea to keep him for strong side duties. He showed up in this game and had a couple of tackles behind the line. Um, And you are correct. Grady Jarrett being back in this lineup, I think, energizes everyone. Truly, truly energizes everyone. But there's there's a there's a huge miss by all Falcons fans right now, which is no one's talking about Dedrick Sanat and how how much of an impact he's been over these last couple of games playing as the nose tackle. Because if you actually go break down Grady Jarrett's sacks from the last two games, they've been at three tech or four eye. And that's been Grady crossing face of a guard and, and getting interior. And, and getting a sack on not only Eli Manning, but also now on um, Alex Smith. Um, so I think Dedrick Snot is going to influence how we draft in 2019. We may not be looking for uh, a full-time nose tackle going forward with McLean most likely leaving the team uh, as a free agent. We will probably be looking for another defensive end to uh, give Vic Beasley some rest. <laughs> so um, I love this rotation. Um, I wish there was some upgrades. I know that people are talking about Bruce Irvin right now, and we all just need to sit back and watch what happens here. But I like what we have right now. I think Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov have said that we really do like what we have, and we think we can compete with this. 
the evidence seems to suggest that they can based off of the last two weeks. So we'll see what definitely um, we'll see what the rest of the season has to unfold. Uh, we got more to come talking about this game and, of course, the Falcons. But I do want to remind you guys that if you are like Dan and you are looking ahead a little bit to the 2019 draft, there's no better place to get updates on the regular than the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find two shows devoted to the draft in college football. First up is Locked On NFL Draft Podcast with host John Ledger, a recent guest of the show, Trevor Sikama, a past guest of the show. You can also find the Draft Dudes Podcast with Kyle Krabs, a former guest of the show, and Joe Marino, who I guess I will have to have on the show to complete the set very soon. Uh, you can find both of those shows wherever you get your Locked On Podcast Net, uh, Locked On podcasts and uh, you can find also those guys written content in addition to several others at the draftnetwork.com so dan um you know we hit the main topics i wanted to hit but are there any certain sort of things maybe some players that stood out to you or some other elements of this roster or this team that you noticed on sunday that you want to talk about yeah I, i wanted to hit on at least two more points uh, one on offense and one on defense that I think people are not talking about right now because of of just the 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 way that the Falcons have had a two game winning streak and um, the real the real thing that everyone is talking about right now, which is the return of Deion Jones at some point uh, in the near future. I think the first thing that most Falcons fans need to key in on is the the play of of Neesman right now at at strong safety. We saw a taste of that yesterday. Um, or on Sunday, excuse me, uh, and it's and it's going to be an impact because I think Neesman is going to come in and play some of the best strong safety that that we have on this roster right now, and we've had this guy for a little while now, um, and he really hasn't gotten his uh, his time here. You know, he hasn't gotten his chance, but I think that uh, I think that Neesman's going to come in here and he's going to show that he can lock that down with Demonte Casey back there. Um, and when we get Deion Jones back, it'll be a true lockdown set that we've we've needed for a little while, especially with the schedule that we're about to have, a rough schedule going forward. And then on offense, I think there's one point that nobody is is talking about right now, and that's the level of play that we have from our our wide receivers as blockers. I don't think anyone's talking about that. I think it's a, a dirty, gritty uh, discussion point that no one wants to really get into, but if you really go back and watch the game. Um, Ito Smith and Black was, most people will say Jake Matthews, but if you go look at Julio Jones, he clears the lane, and actually then it's all Ito Smith from there. Um, Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Hall, Calvin Ridley, um, Justin Hardy, they've all been amazing blockers on this line, an extension, a, a, a right-hand extension of this offensive line that's helped them really move the chains and really get our running backs free. So I don't think a lot of people are going to talk about that or the fact that Neesman is doing so well at strong safety. But those are two little points that I just kind of want to throw out there, a bit of knowledge um, that every single fan needs to kind of just take a second to look at and go, wow, this is this is a real brotherhood, real uh, team togetherness, and they know their identity and they know how strong they can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, Neesman broke up a touchdown. That probably could have been a touchdown for Doxon, the second touchdown that he might have had against yeah. Isaiah Oliver. And, uh, you know, Neesman broke that up. And then the following play, I think they went deep on a fade to Paul Richardson and Oliver was there to break that up. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely worth pointing out. 
um, as well as the the play of the the wide receivers out on the edge. Uh, and when you, and I think that's a underrated and under discussed element of this team's blocking uh, with the wide receivers and the tight ends. That so much of this run scheme is built upon attacking the edges, particularly with Freeman out of the lineup and how much they rely on on those outside runs. And you need those guys on the edges to maintain their blocks in order for that to be effective. And I think, you know, we saw that on Sunday. So two good Mm -hmm. points I think you had there. Um, Dan, I appreciate you coming on and and joining me. I hope we get the the opportunity to do this again sometime. Uh, But let the people know uh, where they can find you on the various social media platforms that you are, as well as what sort of content, since uh, for those people that aren't necessarily familiar with what you're doing on YouTube, uh, what sort of content that you have in store for anybody that's now going to start checking out that show? Well, I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, inviting me onto the show and having me. It was uh, it was an amazing time, and I cannot wait to do some more work with you in the uh, near future. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, UNGR underscore show, where we talk on Falcons and, and talk some real-life stuff. You can also find me on YouTube at Unintentional Grounding. That's the main place where you're going to find me. And the content that I put out for most Falcons fans is film breakdowns not only on the defensive side but the offensive side and just opening up uh, coaches' film for Falcons fans or fans of football in general or people that have not really gotten into the X's and O's uh, to kind of give them an eye-opener. Hey, um, these are the things that you're missing when you when you blame Leo Jones for not getting a touchdown or uh, Matt Ryan throws a, a wonky pass and, and something weird happens. There's always variables that happen, and I want to open that up to the community um, and have a place for everyone to be able to go um, and, and have a good time and see some of the things that they wouldn't usually see on their Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays. Absolutely. I recommend people go check it out uh, when you have the time. And uh, Dan, again, I appreciate you coming on. And again, as I said earlier, I hope we get the opportunity to do it again, uh, maybe later this season. And certainly uh, in the run up to the draft, I know you're a big draft guy and and love this sort of offseason stuff. So we'll definitely have you come back on maybe March or April and and talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Falcons. But hopefully we get another opportunity to uh, talk Falcons football between now and then. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, man. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with a crossover episode with the host of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd, who we had on this summer. And again, I know, you know, I know those AFC North shows weren't certainly the metrics told me that those shows weren't the most popular shows um, based off of how many downloads they got during the summer. But for the, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of you guys <laughs> that actually listen to those shows. The ones that aren't, you know, human beings and not robots. Uh, you know, I think you guys are a little bit better prepared to understand what's going on with this Cleveland Browns team as well as some of these other past AFC North and upcoming AFC North teams that we'll face this season. So that's why I did it, you know, other than, you know, otherwise you'd be sitting here today being like, I have, I know nothing about the Browns other than the fact that they fired their head coach and they have the number one pick at quarterback. But you got a little bit of a primer this summer, so... You know, that's what I tell myself at night when I lay up, you know, being concerned with the analytics of this podcast and, and staying up to three o'clock in the morning with my I'm OK, I'm telling bad jokes. OK, I'll, I'll stop now. Um, anyway, let's wrap things up by talking about where you can provide provide your feedback to me on this podcast 
That is, of course, on Twitter at Falcfans. Also, Locked on Falcons is the show's Twitter handle. So if it is a podcast-related comment, question, suggestion, um, or whatnot, then you can send it there. Uh, You can also check us out on Facebook. Locked on Falcons is the name of the page there. Give us a like while you're there. As well as email address is LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com. And you can leave a comment at Falcfans.com where the podcast is posted daily. So, guys... Until then, you are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.